0: You're listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. I'm one of your
1: hosts, Dr. Jackie Nienhuis, registered dietitian and professor of culinary medicine. And I am your co-host, Brooke Fredrickson, registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. And we are here to challenge a culture around food and nutrition from a biblical perspective.
0: It's good to have you here with us today. We've been talking about... um, Different kinds of uh, traditional medicine and functional medicine, integrative medicine, and complementary theory th- therapies. And today we're going to take just one of those, like functional foods, and we're going to look at it and and see what this these um, what this functional food look like. And I have a really interesting example because I was working on a research project um, for NASA where we used uh, different colors of lights to grow lettuces so we were trying to find a way that when nasa sends, sends us astronauts up in their spaceships that they could actually eat something and the only way they're going to have actual food is if they're going to be able to grow it because there's not a lot of space so we chose lettuces because Um, That would be one real food that they could taste. And we wanted to make these lettuces just as nutrient dense as we possibly could. And what we found is, of course, they have to have grow lights uh, when they're in the space shuttle because there's would be no other way for them to uh, build chlorophyll. But we found that depending upon what color of lights we used, it would change the lettuces from being a green leaf lettuce that maybe it would then have some red leaves on it, or it would get even a deeper, deeper color. And whenever the colors of the leaves changed, we found the antioxidants in the lettuces change too. So here we are, we're in, um, we have the astronauts in the spaceship and we found a way to increase the antioxidants in the lettuces by changing the amount of light that the lettuce was getting. That was a, just a really exciting project. I, in the real world, um, I don't know how much, how important that is because we can get antioxidants from so many different fruits and vegetables, and hopefully we're having a variety of those. But that's just one idea of what a functional food is and how it could be applied
1: in a real-world situation. Okay, so functional food. I would say I, like that term is confusing to me. So I actually had to look up the definition of what functional food is, and it just means a food that promotes health. (laughs) Well, isn't that like, you know, almost all of our foods, I guess any food that contains nutrients and that's going to provide something for a body would be considered functional. Right. So that's pretty much all food. Am I mistaken? You know, that's a really interesting point. But in our marketing,
0: they try to make you feel like a functional food is something with superpowers.
1: Oh, got it. Okay. That so, makes
0: sense. so that's that's okay. both both definitions. Your definition is correct.
1: But I never okay. thought
0: of it quite that way because marketing okay. really tries to make you think right. that this is a superfood and it has this unusual, amazing. Okay. healing
1: power. Okay. So on the flip side, you know, I mean, that's functional food. Now, functional nutrition, um, is kind of like a whole, uh, a broad area itself. And I would say, you know, expanding on our last podcast with the, you know, when we were talking about functional medicine, functional nutrition is part of that. And I would say that's one of the, um, I think one of the draws for people to go that way is because they do focus heavily on nutrition. I would say one of the downfalls of it is that they, on, they often make food the problem. Okay. So if you have a, a condition, um, if you're struggling with some kind of disease state or symptoms or something, the first thing that they're going to tell you is right. Don't eat gluten. Let's cut out dairy. Um, do some kind of elimination diet because they feel like food is is the problem and food is the issue now for some people it might be you know maybe you really do have a food allergy or maybe you do have an intolerance to something and you might be able to find it out that way um but i do see a lot of negative things come out of that too because a lot of times those diets are so restrictive that people do end up you know with um really rapid weight loss or uh being, you know, almost creating a disordered eating patterns around food, because they're scared to eat food, because they think that it might make them sick. Uh, I've seen this happen in kids, where um, kids are losing weight, and and their growth is stunted a little bit because of the, the rigidity of the diets. And so, you know, there, that's, that's, I think, one of my, one of my um, I wouldn't say like hard stop, but it's one of my red flags when it comes to, to the functional nutrition aspect of things and how, how functional medicine uh, treats things that way when it comes from a food perspective. Because I just, I don't, I don't like demonizing food. So go ahead. Functional food Sorry.
0: is uh, something that I think a lot of manufacturers have kind of made up this word because your definition of functional foods is anything that Uh, promotes health, which would be like all the different foods we eat. But I think it's a a term that's made up by manufacturers because they want to sell their product and they want people to think that that their food in some way is better than the food on the shelf right next to it. So um, they've used the term in so many different ways and it has become even more confusing because there's so many definitions. And then I think you find the media picks up on a word and they use it in so many different ways that pretty soon it could
1: mean just it's a benign term. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think we've talked about that, how terminology changes and means different things to different people. So it's <clears throat> hard to know what exactly um, is meant by some of those confusing terms or labels.
0: Okay. So I just um, looked up online to figure out exactly what um, some of the different um, online sources say. And here it gives a, a familiar example of a functional food and they say is oatmeal because it contributes soluble fiber that can help lower cholesterol levels. And so it says the Food and Drug Administration regulates the claims that manufacturers can make about functional foods and their nutrient content and their effects on disease, health, or body function. It's crazy because in the next paragraph, it says, if you want to try functional foods, choose wisely. So, okay, I would think it's wise to choose oatmeal And maybe another kind of functional food would be so manufactured that um, it has, I don't know. I I don't know. Isn't that confusing to be in the exact same
1: uh, article? Yeah, that's really confusing. So that's why I don't use that term. (gasps) Don't use that term. So, okay,
0: that's a good point. I'm going to take you up on that. I am going to quit using that that word. And I'm not going to feel, um, feel like someone is uh, more knowledgeable than me, just because they understand functional foods, because I'm going to say, okay, that doesn't even make sense. You know, there's not even a real meaning for it. It's, um, it's just all foods. So what do you think about university programs? And they um, have entire
1: programs of study in functional foods. Isn't that the craziest? I just, yeah, I, I think it's so confusing because all food is going to have some kind of benefit or improve some kind of, you know, something, whether it's just providing, you know, required or essential vitamins and minerals, that's going to help prevent, you know, disease states, or if it's, um, you know, providing the amino, the protein, which breaks down into amino acids to build our muscles. I mean, that's good for, like all of those things have a function in our body. That's what food is. When you break them down into nutrients, they are there to maintain our health or, you know, build up our body or, you know, prevent some kind of disease or something. So I think, again, all foods that provide nutrients are going to be considered functional foods. And I just don't know how you can pick and choose which ones are you know, have, have more or increased function. I don't, I don't know how that's determined, you know, at what level do you determine that something is functional versus something that isn't? That's,
0: you know, it's interesting, this word functional foods. I did not realize that um, the term was actually coined in Japan in 1984. And um, the foods were commonly known as food for specific health uses, So it would be like um, taking a certain food and saying, if you eat this, it's going to heal diabetes. Or if you eat this certain food, this is going to heal um, all your cardiovascular issues. Or this certain food is going to heal arthritis. Now, I think in the realm of arthritis, you see so many claims like this, primarily because we haven't found a really good answer to arthritis. And so any, and you mentioned in our last podcast about autoimmune diseases, about how they um, lean over into functional foods because they don't have a good answer. So explain to us what, what happens with these diseases when you go to a functional medicine doctor, how do they try to treat something like arthritis or an
1: autoimmune disease? Well, because they don't use medicine, it's going to be um, herbs or supplements or food. So they either, uh, I would say with, with autoimmune disease, uh, there are some supplements that they will put people on that are considered like anti-inflammatory supplements. Uh, they will also, like I said, do a lot of really rigid elimination diets because they think that food, you know, they're looking for the cause of it. Um, So they're not interested in just treating the autoimmune disease, they're looking for the cause of it. They're like, okay, well, maybe the cause of this is something you're eating. So that's why a lot of times they do those um, elimination diets. The uh, autoimmune protocol is a really popular one that's out there. It's actually one that I tried at one point. Um, You're supposed to do it for like six months. And (laughs) I think I made it a month and I was so hungry and I was so crazy about trying to figure out what I was going to eat. I just, I stopped, I couldn't do it. It wasn't making a difference for me. Um, But I know there are a lot of people who do it and say it helps them. Now, does it help them? Because at the six month mark, their flare up of their autoimmune disease is, you know, going into remission or was it really the food and it really helped? I don't know. And I think that's where, that's where the struggle is for people because we don't have a lot of evidence saying that if you do this or eat this way, your autoimmune disease is going to go away or improve. Like, we just don't. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence out there, uh, but we just don't have a lot of, um, I'd say, concrete proof that that actually works. And, you know, like with, with my history of, of chronic dieting and being crazy around food, even even trying that for a month made me... <laughs> I don't know, I, I felt like I was out of control, because all I did was worry about what I was going to eat and what I could eat. And it was it, it really stressed me out. So um, it was not it was not a good thing for me. And like I said, I, I didn't notice a difference. Even after a month, there was no difference. And so it wasn't worth it wasn't worth it for me to keep trying.
0: You know, Brooke, I am so sorry that you had to go through this, that you have to go through this with this autoimmune disease, and I'm thinking of our listeners out there who have um, tried so many different things to help whatever um, chronic illness that they have, and I think of how these um, shysters, for lack of a better word, how they make you feel like a failure, like like they say if you would do it exactly like I say it's going to work, well it doesn't, but they tell you, no, you failed. You were not able to do it. You were not able to keep with, it. if you would just do this, then you would find a solution to your illness. Right. I, I just think it causes so much pain and agony for, um, for people that uh, really, really have good intentions
1: and want to find something to help. Well, you know, and I think, It it happens in both traditional medicine or the alternative therapies, like no matter which side of the boat you're on, um, or if you're somewhere in the middle, um, you know, it's just, it's really frustrating to know, to know that there's something wrong with your body and to not have an answer for it. You know, I'm, I'm a person who likes to fix things. If there's a problem, I want to find the solution. I want to fix it. What if there isn't a solution? I think that's where it's hard, you know, like, so people are always looking for something and putting their hope in the next thing. Um, hoping that that might be the answer. And some people do find it. Like I said, some people do find, uh, you know, improvements in their symptoms, or maybe they do find help um, in those alternative therapies versus the traditional. And I I don't blame people for looking. I don't, because when you're, when you're hurting or when you're, um, you know, suffering in some way, we're, we're all going to try to alleviate that. Right. It, it doesn't, it doesn't work for everyone. So I think that's where people need to, you know, you can try it, but again, um, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and maybe there's something else. Hopefully, I think that, you know, more and more people are having autoimmune diseases all the time. So I feel like research and science and all of that stuff has to catch up sooner or later, right? We need to figure out what's what's going on with this because when you when you look it up, you know, like what causes autoimmune disease or how do we treat autoimmune disease, it's one of the least understood problems in human health right now. And so I'm hoping that with, um, you know, technology and innovation that that we're able to figure that out to help people because it does affect a lot of people.
0: I do not think there are any foods, though, that are going to um, to cure that. And that would be the claim of functional foods or functional medicine. So one day, maybe we will find a cure for it, but I don't believe that's going to be a food. Right. I don't either. I don't either. Okay. We can go back to my example at the very beginning of the lettuces where we increased the uh, nutrient content of the lettuces. And I think this is a really interesting thing. I don't buy organic foods. I And I think some people consider um, organic foods maybe a functional food versus uh non-organic. But I actually feel like sometimes the non-organic that I have planted in my garden that get amazing sunlight and um get amazing care from me have better nutrient composition than some of those foods that someone claims is a functional food like an inorganic tomato versus my conventionally grown tomato. Um, You know, sometimes when we're talking about uh, advertising and media, when they put a label on it as functional, it really doesn't even have a better health component. I'm thinking of hydroponically grown tomatoes. I think they can be really healthy and very nutritious. I don't really think that they're going to be more nutritious than my tomato that gets nutrients from the soil and they get sun from the tomato. So I have nothing against hydroponics. I have nothing against these different ways these tomatoes are grown, but I know how I grow my tomato. And it's not going to have a label like hydroponic. It's not going to have a label like um, organic. It's not going to have a label, even that uh, claim of some health benefit, but it is an amazing tomato. It tastes amazing. I always think fruits and vegetables that taste really good, they have grown just a little bit slower, absorbed more of the sunlight to change uh, and develop nutrients in it. So I think flavorful fruits and vegetables have more nutrients than those that aren't, it has nothing to do with one being more of a
1: functional food than the other. Right. Well, and then, you know, getting into the whole, um, you know, biotech side of, of agriculture and growing food and GMOs and all of that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know what, I mean, we, we haven't really talked about that and maybe this isn't a place, but I, you know, the, the functional nutrition world or the naturopathic world thinks that GMOs are horrible for us. um, That bioengineering is horrible for, um, you know, as far as our food goes or selective breeding, I'm not sure what terms you would use. Uh, But the technology around food and agriculture, you know, they say we need to stay away from that. And that's causing disease. I don't know if we have any evidence that it does that. I haven't seen anything. People have been eating them for what the past, maybe 40 years or so. You know, is is there a correlation of increased disease with it? I'm not sure. I think, okay, you know, the
0: interesting thing to me that goes along with this is that let's say we have a person who's in their 90s or 100, and we interview them and we ask them, okay, what helped you live to be 100? Um, I had a comment once from uh, the family member. They said, oh, just think how natural they eat. Just think. And they were uh-huh. actually a farmer. A person who's 100 years old. That means they went through a time period when in agriculture, they had the worst amount of pesticides, the worst kinds of chemicals on the food. They uh, probably had the least protection against all of those. So we can't say their food was so natural back in whenever um, pesticides first started being used. They were used in in higher quantities than would ever be allowed today
1: well and they live through all the different fads of like the low fat era and the um hydrogenated margarine era and all of these other things and so right there's there's so many variables in it um but yeah i, I like i equate you know the the gmo or the the changing in the technology of our food supply like kind of the same as traditional medicine like we wouldn't have these surgeries and these treatments for cancer and these other therapies um, or, or medicines if if we didn't have technology and if we didn't have um, you know people innovating and coming up with these things. And so I think there's there's good in that. Um, I also think there's good in the natural, and I don't think it has to be one or the other. And so I try to fall in the middle somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So
0: um, there is so much that I think about that we used to do on the farm and how all these farming techniques have improved. Um, You know, our food supply is so much safer than it was in the 1930s. And then especially after World War II, like in the 1950s, when we found out pesticides increased uh, farm yield far beyond anything that had been done before. That was probably one of the uh, worst periods of time for having pesticides and residues and things of that in your food. Our food has just continued to get safer and safer and safer Um, to the point that today it's so highly regulated that you can be assured that if this is in the grocery store shelf, that that is going to be a safe product for you. And as far as making some of that produce functional foods and others, not, I just think that you had a wonderful point that all foods, uh, benefit health and all foods benefit well-being.
1: Right. Right. And I would say, especially, you know, those, um, what we would consider more whole foods, of course they do. They all provide a health benefit in different ways. And I don't, I don't like elevating one or the other over the other, uh, but I think, yeah, hearing that term just it doesn't mean anything to me. So if anyone is out there and they're confused by it as well, just know that it's it's okay to be confused by it and understand what uh, the marketers are actually meaning, and um, maybe that it's not one of those necessary terms. We need to use So I just
0: want to say that I feel like I've been educated today that I have learned a new perspective on functional foods and I have a PhD in food and uh, food and nutrition. so I'm always learning and I'm always open to new things and you know terms get thrown around and very smart people say, oh and they start picking up and using it and now yeah. I know I'm not going to be using that term either. So thank you I feel educated.
1: Oh, goodness. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up for today. Then um, if anyone has any questions on functional foods or the functional aspect of nutrition, uh, please feel free to contact us via our Instagram. Otherwise, we will uh, see you with our new episode next week. thank you for listening to the eat with grace podcast. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing. So you don't miss an episode. We would love to have you leave a review or comment on our Instagram page. It's been
0: great to share this time with you. And we pray that you have a grace filled day.